It's kind of fun to do the impossible. That's something Walt Disney said once, and I think I agree with him. And I have this nagging suspicion that as Peter, now turned apostle, has been going from place to place, he would agree with him too. You see, since Jesus has left and given the now apostles a mission to do, Peter has seen some amazing things. He himself has cured a man crippled at the gates. He himself has seen the other apostles do many signs and wonders. He himself has been a part of a church where there's no bickering or complaining. That alone is a miracle. Hallelujah. Talk about impossible. Now, it doesn't last very long, by the way. Just, but Peter has to give them some committee-forming powers and they get happy once again. But he's seen all of these great things happen. And after all that, what could prepare him for what he is about to experience next? He had been traveling here and there when some disciples approach him and tell him, you must come with us quickly. And supposedly without explanation, he walks with them 11 miles. When he gets to the house to where they are, he finds a group of people who are obviously upset. They've lost someone that they love. They've lost a dear friend, Tabitha, someone who everybody seemed to admire, someone who was a significant part of their community. Now, there are a lot of questions I have, at least, as I read this account. Did anybody tell Peter what they expected him to do? Did they expect him to do anything when he got here? Did anybody ask Peter, hey, do you have any experience with dead people? Because we got one we want you to do something about. Was Peter uncomfortable with all this? Or was it even on Peter's agenda to do anything about Tabitha's death? It's all these questions we have. But whatever the reason or the reasons, Peter steps into action. And it's a good thing there was no, you know, how to raise a dead person manual. Because you know how hard those manuals are to read and make sense of, Right? You could see Peter trying to figure all this out. He wasn't using an instruction manual. Instead, he was using something that goes back a lot further than that. He was following a familiar pattern. And if you and I, I think, are going to try to make sense of the story, I think we have to go back where Peter was going. Do you remember the prophet Elijah? The great prophet Elijah. He stands as a great figure in the Jewish faith. But once he was accused of bringing death upon a widow's son. He took the dead son to an upper chamber. Sound familiar? He prayed. And then he was able to tell the mother, Here is your son. And then there's Elisha. Elisha comes after Elijah. And after Elijah went up into the world, when Elisha took his place as prophet, and he too had a run-in with a woman whose son had died. And when he went to their house, he kindly asked everybody to leave. He closed the door on them, 
He prayed to God and he raised the son from the dead. And then people laughed at Jesus because he told them that the young girl that they were crying for was not dead. She was only sleeping. In the midst of their laughter and perhaps scorn, he called to her, Child, get up. And she did. And now, it's Peter's turn. Peter is following in a prophetic line that has been given to him. And as he gets to the house, he sends everyone out of the room. He prays to God. He turns to the body and says, Tabitha, get up. Get up. And because of what he did, because of what happened in that room, Luke tells us that many people believed in the Lord. We like when people believe in the Lord, don't we? Remember last week we all affirmed that when people come to God, we like that kind of stuff, don't we? Well, it's in my experience, I think most of the people that I know, we have, we have trouble with a story like this because we don't know, do I have to try to explain how it happened? Do I, do I need to figure out how I can prove that it happened? How do you handle a story like this? Well, here's what I'm going to do with it today. First, I have to give you some bad news. Church membership has been declining for many years. Some of you know that. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you have watched it as it's happened. Our church, the United Methodist Church alone, has lost membership every year since 1964. Let that soak in, okay? Every year since 1964, the United Methodist Church has lost membership. And what we realize is that church, at least in some of the terms that some of us are familiar with, church does not have the same influence it once had. Now, church people are funny sometimes because we hear those kind of things. And, and how does the church respond to those kind of things? Well, those people only care about themselves. Those people are godless. Those people don't want to be a part of anything. Those people bailed out on us. Those people did this and those people did that. Those people. Since 1964, right? Let me ask you a question. Does that method work? Do you want to hear some good news? You see this cat right here? I know the one thing that we can do to change it all. That's right. Woke you up, didn't I? I know the one thing to reverse all that that we can do. You want to know what it is? <laughs> Raise the dead. Oh, Pastor John had a little too much pain medication before he came to church today, huh? Isn't that what Luke said? 
Because of what happened in that room, many people came to believe in the Lord. I'll tell you what I mean. This past Wednesday at our Fuse program, we told 30 plus children there that goodness is stronger than evil. Goodness is stronger than evil. And friends, during a week like we've experienced and that we've all seen, evil we know is real. Evil is here. Now the thing about evil, it can feel overwhelming and it can feel like it is all around us and that nothing else is around us but evil. It can be a consuming power. Something that just slaps us in the face time after time and that all we can see is evil and evil and we can even have the impression that evil is winning. But friends, the reason why you and I are here today as God's people is because we know that in Christ's resurrection we see the power of God over evil. So I want you to think, where do you see evil in your own life? There are plenty of people in the church who deal with evil at home. Much less the things that they see on TV or the things they experience in the workplace or in other places. There is evil that we see and we feel and we experience every day. Where do you see evil around you? And we need to know that because Christ's power, we learn, is our own power. And that indeed, goodness is stronger than evil. It's part of what Christ's resurrection has shown us and has taught us. And do you remember the story of God creating the world in the book of Genesis? If I were to tell you to go look at that story, you could find it real quickly, couldn't you? Of course you could. It's the first book of the Bible. And in that story, God is creating the sky, God is creating animals, God is creating trees and everything else. And after every creation, what does God say about the creation? It is... And then God creates humanity. God creates people and says, let's see how this works out. (laughs) That's not what God said, is it? What does God say even after we are here? Tap your buddy, your pew buddy there, and ask him, hey, you good? I got time, I'll wait. (laughs) See, that person that God created in you is good. That person that God formed, that we call CJ, that we call Don, that we call Nancy or anybody else, is good. And that stronger than evil goodness is inside of us. It's inside of each one of us. You see, I've wanted before desperately to be able to do what Peter did. I've been with someone who was dying. I've stood over someone who was dead. I've wanted with all of my faith to be able to do something about it. never happened. 
And what I've learned is that Luke wasn't necessarily showing us something that we all could do, raise the dead in the sense that, the way that he did. Because if anybody could do it, or if everybody was about doing it, the disciples who were already there would have done it. Instead, instead, Luke is showing us something about us that is important. I think he's showing us that in raising the dead, the church was in line with the prophets of old and was in line with Christ. Peter was doing the same thing that Elijah and Elisha and Jesus did because he was in that prophetic line, he had that prophetic voice, and the church did too. And how do we know the church did? Because the people responded. The people came out in droves because they knew that this church, these people who talked about Jesus, had something they needed. They knew the church had something important. And I'm wondering, as I think about the state of the church today, as I think about this story Maybe the people that God is trying to raise from the dead is us. God is trying to call us back to life. Because we had it. We had it. The people we need to raise from the dead is ourselves. Elisha followed Elijah. Peter followed Jesus. And we too follow Jesus. That's why we call ourselves Christians, right? And I remember Jesus distinctly, distinctly saying one time that we, as God's people, as Christians, would do even greater things than He. You remember that? Now, somewhere, church became about creating bigger buildings, bigger budgets. Church became about potlucks and telling people what they wanted to hear. Now, either Jesus was wrong or we've missed something. God forgive us for this crazy focus we have on money and budgets. God forgive us Focusing on our own comfortable ways of doing things. God forgive us for making God's church into some kind of social club. God forgive us for making church something we do or just a place we go whenever we feel like it. God forgive us. John Wesley once said, How much do we almost continually hear about the church? With many, it is matter of daily conversation, and yet, how few understand what they talk of. How few know what the term means. Church. Church. Is it just a place we go? Or is it something we are? I think Peter's miracle of raising Tabitha shows us what the church can be. We are God's people, and we have still something important to give. We have been blessed with the mission to show people the new life that God has for each one of us. 
Y'all with me? And maybe instead of trying to figure out how we can prove how to raise the dead like Peter did, maybe we realize what he told everyone as he presented her. He showed her to be alive. Maybe that can be our focus. That as God's people, our job is to show they can be alive. We show that we are alive because of what God has done for us, and we show that they can be alive, whoever they is, just the same. Our faith, then, has to say something about the evil we endure. Has to say something about the evil we see each day. Church is not about warming pews. Church is not about building programs. Counting members isn't our ultimate goal. The reason why we count members is so we can know how many people we can count on to show that goodness is stronger than evil. Now, you're here this morning, and I don't want to assume anything about you, but I hope you understand why it is we're here. Why am I here? Why are you here? It's because God is preparing us for life-giving ministry. God is preparing us to show the world that goodness is stronger and evil. You talk about purpose. People go throughout the days. Oh, I don't know what I, what I want to do with my life. I don't know what I'm here for. There it is. There it is. See, God is ready to use you and I to bring life, to bring healing, and to bring hope to a hoping uh, to a hurting world. And a problem that so many of us feel about evil is that it can feel impossible. To overcome. It can feel impossible to deal with. It can feel impossible to do anything against. And yet we know it's kind of fun to do the impossible, isn't it? Let's pray. Oh God, We are here this morning by your calling and trust that you are forming in in our hearts, in our minds, in our faith, a people who will indeed rise up and show that goodness is stronger than evil. Help us, God, to hear your voice, to know what it is you are calling us to do to that end. Help us to have love. Help us to see with eyes of compassion. Help us to know who it is you are calling us to serve each day. With joy, with assurance, and with love, raise us, God, so that we can serve you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name.